night so that we can be at the family meeting. And we have some important things to share Friday night. So if you can be there, please be there. We can't say that enough that we've put these meetings specifically in the calendar to be able to share, get feedback, update you on different things, pray into things together. So it's really important for you to be there. So we encourage you uh, to do so. All right, I'm going to invite Don Smith to come. And Don and Stephanie, we want to welcome you. And they're from Eastbourne, England. And Don and Stephanie have been coming to be part of our church now for 14 years. Uh, it's been hard to believe. Hmm. 14 years. 14 years. Hard to believe, isn't it? It is and hard to believe. Don and I were able to, it was a privilege to, for Don and I to be able to work last weekend together in Milton at the Milton Bible Church and to be together. And then Don and Stephanie are with us this past week and this week. They're to Prince Edward Island to be with our uh, Christ Central Church, Charlottetown, next weekend. And Don and Stephanie had led two churches for over many years, and now he's transitioned into certainly not retirement, but uh, into different phase of helping other churches, and so it's great to be able to have them here. And I'm going to keep the mic, this mic with me to see if I need to translate at any point, okay? So if I look at you and you're all kind of like this, I'll try to interject as best I can. Don, welcome. Thanks for Thank being you. with us this morning. Thank you. Now you might, you're thinking, what did he say to her? I'll tell you later if you remind me. It's cold this morning, isn't it? Come on, jump up and down. Come on, let's get about here. I'm cold. I don't know about you. Come on. Whoa, I'm cold. Tried. Oh. Are you all right? I could see you bouncing. I could see you bouncing. At my age, I don't bounce so well. It's good to be here. Thank you for having us again. Uh, it's, uh, every time I come here, you seem to have changed venue. I don't know where you are. Oh, where are you going now? It's good to be here. Good to see you. I've got to have a Kelsey. Uh, familiar faces. If I say old faces, they, people laugh at me. And uh, it's familiar faces. Good to be here. So let's look at Psalm 95. If you've got a Bible or a pad or something, let's look at it. Come, let us sing for joy to the Lord. Let us shout aloud to the rock of our salvation. Let us come before him with thanksgiving. Extol him with music and a song. For the Lord is a great God, a great king above all the gods. In his hands are the depths of the earth. The mountain peaks belong to him. The sea he made it. In his hand formed the dry land. Come, come let us draw, bow down in worship. Let us kneel before the Lord our maker. For he is our God. And we are the people of his pasture, the flock under his care. Today, if you hear his voice, do not harden your hearts as they did in the days of Mabath, as he did in the days of Mashiach in the desert, where your fathers tested me and tried me. They had seen what I did. For 40 years, I was angry with that generation. And I said, these people whose hearts go astray, they have not known my ways, so I declare on an oath in my anger, they shall not enter in my rest. Let's get organised. One of the things I'm concerned about at home, uh, increasingly beginning to see, is a change in worship. Toza wrote, W.A. Toza wrote, 40 odd years ago, the missing jewel in the, evangel the evangelical church was worship. And we saw a great change. But we're actually seeing a change the other way now. Where actually the worship is more concerned about getting it right, musically, 
and entertainingly. And we don't really want you getting involved because we can't get it right. You interfere with it. We've got to have the best musicians and we've got to get the very top and we're going to entertain you and you're going to have a nice entertaining morning. I don't go to church to be entertained. I go to church to worship God. I go to the cinema, the theatre or somewhere else to be entertained. I come to worship God. So that's what's where I'm coming from this morning. I'm beginning to wonder what we fought for. We fought for open worship, where we could take part, because we believe that was a spirit moving, the gifts of the spirit, and now we're being, some of us, some of them, we're being pushed out by first the musicians who want to get it so right, and you coming in with your bit of peace only messes it all up. And the idea now that we're going to just entertain you. I don't want to be entertained. Right? I've been, I go to various churches, not only enough new frontier churches i go to other churches and i think this i don't like i want to meet with god in worship that's my thing i come here to meet with god i don't even come to meet with him (laughs) or you i come to meet with god that's where i'm coming from this morning let me give you a quote worship is not just believing before they went up the mountain peter james and john already believed in god peter already said you are the christ But now they had a sense. The presence of God enveloped them. They had a foretaste of what C.S. Lewis says, all of us are longing for, the very face of God. You have access through worship to the presence of God. You need to actually sense and know that God loves you. It's one thing to be told that someone is remarkably attractive. And you believe it. But when you actually see him or her, up close, you say, wow, what's happened? Did you get new information? No, you're experiencing what you already know to be true. It's one thing to know that the, that the, that, that the glorious creator loves you, cares for you, and holds you. It's another one to sense it and experience it. Psalm 40, uh, 34, taste and see that the Lord is good. Tim, Tim Keller and that's his book, uh, King's Cross. If you haven't read it, read it. If you're not reading Tim Keller, you're backsliding. <laughs> no, I'm, <laughs> I'm, I'm It's superb. We, we, the thoughts that lay in my mind do, and don't get down here into reality are just in my mind. Uh, we're to taste and see that the Lord is good. This is a psalm. It's a call to worship. It's a, I got told off once for in, in, encouraging people to worship. This is what this psalm is doing. Come! Come on, you lot! Wake up! Come and worship God. It's a, a call to worship joyfully, thankfully, reverently, and to respond in worship. Our chief end of man, short of Westminster Catechism, says this, is to glorify God and enjoy him forever. Your call is to glorify God and enjoy him. It wasn't to be an evangelist. It wasn't to be social action first or anything like that at all. It's to enjoy God, glorify God, and enjoy Him. When you get married and you've got a, you, you're, you don't get married to just do the washing or cleaning or work, you join together to enjoy one another. We are called to enjoy God. We're first called to be worshippers. We are first called to be worshippers. It's an invitation and exaltation. Oh, come, let us sing, which means to sing aloud, to shout, to give ringing cries. 
I remember watching from the platform in one of our meetings when one of our men was like this through the worship, and it was a particularly good worship. So I couldn't resist saying to him, how can you keep your hands in the pocket in the worship? He said, that's the way I worship God. I backed away quietly. You don't know my God. You haven't seen him. When you get a taste of him, your heart explodes. Come, let us sing to the Lord. It means to sing aloud, to shout, to give ringing cries, to express our joy in God. Now you may be like Barb mentioned, you may be up the mountain in a mountain situation. I couldn't find the verse. The verse in Isaiah said the very mountain is the way. He don't always take the mountain away. He makes the mountain the way. But there's no reason still not to sing the praises of our God. And I'm saying this a lot recently. I'm getting a bit morbid. And I said it last week at Milton. I spoke to a young man and said, what's my next great event? And he went. <laughs> and he was right. And I see old people are depressed who've been Christians for 40 years. I'm not depressed. Death may be a problem, but being with God will be grace itself because I will be exalted to the place we've been going for as far as what for me since I was 21. It will be grace. Death, dying is a problem. Death is grace when God exalts you and brings you home. Says, You're home. Well done. Good and faithful servant. Listen, what can a son hear better? Then father say to his son, well done, son, well done. Listen, we've got every reason to worship God. When they were brought back from captivity, when they'd been in, uh, in captivity, they came back and they said this, when the Lord brought back the captives of Zion, we were like people who dreamed. Our mouths were filled with laughter and our tongues with songs of joy. They, they were be de- being delivered from a, 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 a bondage to another nation. And they said, our mouths were filled with laughter. And, you know, we, and our, our tongues were filled with joy. They were just delivered physically. We're delivered spiritually. Theirs were temporal. Ours is eternal. And they, they sing to the rock of their salvation. We're called to be worshippers. Yahweh, the rock of our salvation, our security, our deliverer, he exhorts us to come before his presence. That means his face, literally coming before his face with thanksgiving explains that we worship God, the rock, the Lord, the great God, king above all gods. Great is the Lord and greatly to be praised in the city of our God. I feel miserable this morning. My cat's sick. My teddy won't work. Still the Lord is great and greatly to be praised. That never changes. That never changes. You will change with the weather. I'm frozen this morning. Have you had my grandchildren into that? Aren't they frozen, aren't they? Never mind. Listen. That never changes. Great is the Lord and greatly to be praised in the city of our God, in the mountain of his house. He's great and he does marvellous deeds. You alone are God. He's the king, the creator, the sustainer of all things. For by him all things were created in heaven and earth, visible, invisible, whether thrones and powers, lords and authorities, all have been created through him and for him. The deep place of the earth, he's, he's in his hands are the heights, the hills are also his. The sea, he made it. His hands formed the dry land. This meditation on the Creator leads us to an exaltation. Oh, come, let us worship. Let us bow down. Let us kneel before our Maker. We're to, we're to come into God's presence and bow, whatever your circumstances. Sorry, 
He's great. He's a great creator. He's made the whole creation, informed it, all of it is in his hands. And we come to bow down before him and worship him. Whenever they, uh, it's, it's a sense of prostrate, surrendering oneself in submission to God. Whenever you find people in the Bible come face to face with God, they don't have a chat. They usually fall down. Moses, John, they go down to kneel in his presence uh, uh, in humility before our God. It's only the, <coughs> it's the proper place to be when we're confronted with the Creator. When I'm confronted with the Creator, it's to kneel down. You are my God. You know, The chief end of man is to glorify God and enjoy him forever. This man who wrote the psalm, you hardly anything compared with what you know. We use those psalms and think, we're doing wonderful if we're doing the psalms. Listen, they understood little of what you know. They understood little. It was all vague out there. Some, something was going to happen in the future was going to be wonderful, but they weren't quite sure what it was. They were looking for a, a misty grass. Listen, let me quote. Um, it's um, a man called Thomas Watson. One of the Puritans. So you have to listen carefully. I'll have to be careful or I'll read it. That eternity should be born. That he who thunders in heaven should cry in the cradle. That he who rules the stars should suck the breast. That the prince of life should die. That the lord of glory should be put to shame. That he should be punished to the fall. Yet pardoned to the fall. Who could ever conceive of such a mystery had not the scriptures revealed it to us. They didn't know that. If that doesn't fill you with awe, that the eternity is born, he who thunders in heavens should cry in the crater. He who rules the stars should suck the breast for you and me. For you and me. That's wonderful, isn't it? I'm going to go on and read it further. Listen, that the prince of life should die that the Lord of glory should be put to shame, that he should punish to the fall, unpardoned to the fall. No, they didn't know about Christ coming to Bethlehem as a baby for us. That's why he came. There's a thought, but I'm, you know, when you like people like me, you get sudden th thoughts you pick up as you read. Or see, the thought that I've been living with recently is this, that when Christ got to, to Calgary, he began to sweat great drops of blood and said, can this cup pass from me? Then I look at the great martyrs who've died. Um, the town next to us, they burnt them at the stake. There's a sign up where they burnt them. But they didn't, didn't seem to, some of them went boldly to the fire. Some of them went into the fire and praised God as they, one man put his hand in the fire, let it burn. But my saviour seems to hesitate. My great leader seems to turn away in horror. He seems to be wobbling, it seems. Why is that? I tell you why. Because he was going into infinite darkness. Hell itself that I would never go in. And the way to miss that was very simple. You know what it was? It was to let go of us. Forget it, Lord. Get them. No, nope, we won't save them. Believe them. Let them go to hell with the angels who've fallen. But he doesn't let go. He said, no, I'm not letting go of them. Even though I'm going to go through this dreadful thing, this 
right, he steps right into it, and he doesn't let go of Don Smith. If he'd only let go, he wouldn't have to go, he'd go into it. He won't let go of you now, will he? He won't let go of you now, will he? He won't let go. They didn't know all that. That Christ should become a babe in Bethlehem. That he should live a perfect life for us. He should die on the cross for us. He went to hell itself. We just said that. He's now exalted at the right hand of God. He's poured out the Holy Spirit. He intercedes for us. He's brought us in, the Gentiles, which they never clearly saw. It was all mystical. You know, couldn't quite see. He's bringing a new covenant, a new heaven, and a new earth. How then should we worship this side of the cross? We think we're doing well when we reach the Psalms. You haven't started when you reach the hardly at all. Because I didn't see that. Jesus tells us how to worship. He tells the woman of the world, doesn't he? I've lost myself now, never mind. <laughs> it came up in our house group, and it was interesting. Somebody prayed it. It talked they, uh, about that in heaven, we will worship better than angels. The angels worship for creation. They worship him because he created all things. He made everything, you know? Uh, it created all things. By your will they were created and have their being. They're worshipping for creation. But in heaven, there's a higher voice that goes up. It's my voice and your voice. Because you are worthy to take the scroll and open the seals because you were slain. And with your blood, we were, you purchased persons for every tribe and language and people and nation. When the angels sing, Don Smith's voice, who isn't a wonderful singer, goes above the angels. I worship him for salvation. Angels that fell were bound in chains and thrown in darkness, waiting for the day of judgment. When I fell, Jesus came from the glory, came across the universe, wherever it is he came across, round the galaxies, down to that stable in Bethlehem, to a peasant home, to a peasant woman, to be laid in a, a, a cradle. It's not all romantic like it is at Christmas. It was a smelly, dirty old place. This peasant woman was looking after him. Why? Because he loved me. Because he loved me. We worship better than the angels. You know, much better than the angels. Higher than the angels. And a different thing, I'll tell you another thing. Angels are his friends. I'm his spouse. I'm his wife. I'm married to Christ. They're his friends. But I'm married to Christ. What a gospel. What a gospel we've got, eh? Yeah. Let's go on. Jesus meets the woman at the world. And she says, to, and this has also banged me recently. He says, so the time is coming, the woman at the world, and they're talking about where you should worship. And he says, the time is coming. The time is coming. Something's coming. It wasn't there before. It's coming. And it's now come. So it's here now. When you true worshippers will worship the Father in spirit and in truth. But that's the kind of worship the Father seeks, to worship in spirit and truth. I do not, at 70-odd years old, not going to tell you quite where, <laughs> I don't want to go to the sing-along. I go occasionally into a church and they sing better than you do. But I don't think they worship. You know, you can go to wonderful churches in London, in England, where there's whole choir schools. You can have your children educated for nothing. And these pretty posh schools, if they can sing. I want to worship God. I want to worship God. Rush, listen, let's give you a quote from John Piper. Well, I think if you ain't reading John Piper, you've got problems as well. <laughs> no, right. The fuel of worship is the truth of God. The fuel of worship is the truth. 
That means you read your Bible. Not because you have to. It's the fuel. It shows you what God has done. It tells you the great promises. You know, I want to see. So we, right, don't go that line. The fuel of worship is the truth of God. The furnish of worship is the spirit of man. The heat of worship is our vital affections, our reverence, our trust, our gratitude, and our joy. But there's something missing from the picture. The furnace, the fuel, the heat, but there's no fire. The fuel of truth in the furnace of our spirit does not automatically produce the heat of worship. It must be ignited and fired. This is the Holy Spirit. I get fed up with people who won't argue that you don't need the Spirit. Listen, I don't care what you say. I don't know how many DDs you've got behind your name, how doubly dead you are. But I, 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 you, you need the Holy Spirit to ignite. The Word of God is there. It's the wood. It's the paper. The Holy Spirit ignites it to worship. We're called to be worshippers. We're to worship in spirit and truth. And one way we're to do it is joyfully. Joyfully. Worship can be noisy. Got it? Out of the mouths of babes and sucklings, right? Well, they make a lot of noise, don't they? Hmm? Yes, they do. They do, <laughs> right? I used to go to the house of God with shouts of joy and praise among the festival throng. That was David. That's how he went. And he didn't know about Bethlehem. He didn't know about Calgary. He didn't know about the resurrection. He didn't know all that at all. But he went with... Did you come up the street shouting this morning? With sings of joy? Listen, it can be noisy. Out of the mouths and babes, like you have dawned praise. Praise leads to worship. Come! Come on! Let us bow down. Let us kneel before the Lord our Maker. Worship can be silent. Lost in wonder, love and praise. Have you been there sometimes when you've been praising God and you're in your own quiet time and you're noisy? I like singing. I love walking up and down. I've got, we haven't got big houses like you. Big great plots of land. Mine's a little bit. And as you pass, there's no footpath my side. There's, and people can see. Don't oh, oh, oh. He's, he's a loony in the street. Listen. But there comes a moment when you're lost in wonder, love and praise. I looked in the concordance um, uh, this week, uh, not, not, not this week, when I was doing it, to look up this word. And it says, to make an idol, to bow down, to serve, to glory, to esteem, and to kiss the hand towards. I've got an idol. I idolise my Jesus. The world's full of idols. That pop star, that sports star, that attractive woman, that actress, they've got their idols out there. I've got an idol. It's my Jesus. And what's it mean? Just push it on a bit. What do you say of a young man who finds a beautiful woman? He says, she idol he idolises her. I've got an idol. He says also to bow down, to serve. The lady who does the coffee, if she does it with the right spirit, is worshipping God. Because worship is not just for Sunday morning. It's for everything you do. Whether you eat and drink, you do it to the glory of God. You know, if you can do the coffee to the glory of God, that is worship. It's, uh, to do it for his glory, quoting somebody here, a servant with this cause makes drudgery divine. 
you've turned making the coffee in to an act of worship for God. I've run churches uh, for many years, and it's often you get people say, if I didn't do the coffee, nobody would do it, nobody would do it. You know what I always said? Pack it in, pack it in. But there won't be none. Let's have none. Leave it. Your spirit's gone, you lost it. But you're serving the children this morning and you're doing it for him and they're in pain in the butt and they aren't behaving themselves. It isn't all going right, but you're doing it for him. It makes drudgery divine. Right? It makes drudgery divine. We praise him for his mighty acts. Psalm 150. But we worship him for who he is. We worship him. Worship is it's not a good word. Because we have this terrible habit, us Christians, we're the, the, we are crackers. We want to c- relate to the world, and we use words that they never use. And wonder why they don't understand us, right? I read the epistles. <laughs> why don't you read letters? You know? And the, some of the, yeah. Listen, worship's not, it's, it's a difficult word, because what does it mean? Worship is to love him. Right? Let me quote again. It says Thomas Watson. God counts him, Puritan, Hundreds of years ago, God counts himself glorified when he is loved. Isn't that lovely? God counts himself glorified when he's loved. Now let's come up to date. Uh, 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 John Piper. True faith embraces Christ in whatever way the scriptures hold him out to poor sinners. This embracing is to love him. Wonderful. He counts himself glorified when he is loved. The first commandment is to love the Lord thy God with all your heart and with all your soul and with all your strength. Can I now tell you, it's impossible. It's impossible. Unless you are born again. You've got to be made alive. You've got God to come and do something in the inside before you can worship God. You know, if you go to Westminster in London, they've got these cars, oh, 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 oh. And, it's no, and they can't worship, they haven't got the ability, they may be singing wonderful uh, things, and all of what they call it, all these funny things they sing, and it may be the, even the Psalms they sing. You can't worship God, you know, and, uh, you, uh, you, unless you're born again. Because only as you're born again, I, the, the, the gospel, what is it? The God who made the light shine into our hearts, gave us the knowledge of Jesus, uh, the glory of God in the face of Jesus Christ. We've suddenly seen it. We've suddenly seen that he is beautiful, that he is lovely, he is wonderful. That's the Christian. He's found, you, you can't do it unless you're born again. Then it's no longer a command. It's not a command. It's a joy. His commandments are not burdensome. You know, it's, a, it's a joy. Let me give you another one. Uh, it's John Newton, one of his hymns. To see the law of Christ fulfilled and hear his pardoning voice transforms a slave into a child and duty into choice. There's no burden. Like Jacob served for Rachel seven years, it's no burden. Our worship should be joyful and thankful. Let's turn the page. Let's keep going. I'm enjoying myself. Don't make you look. You look a bit blank this morning. It's not fine. How do we come into his presence? We get a big book. You go on in here, you get this big book. Probably made in America. How to come into God's presence. And you read it for fr- uh, three weeks, you haven't got a clue. Listen, you enter his gates with thanksgiving. You enter his gates with thanksgiving. Whether you're 21 and just got saved, or you're 70-odd and you're just about to die, you enter his gates with thanksgiving. You enter his gates with thanksgiving. And we should be the most thankful people. 
thanksgiving is praising God for what he has done. Worship is in adoring him for who he is. Get it? It's important. Because if you listen in worship, you can see the congregation and the singers sometimes never get past the first bit. Thanking him and praising for God what he has done. Worshiping and adoring God for who he is. If I uh, uh, just appreciate Stephanie for all she does for me, the washing up, the washing and cleaning the house, that's not good enough. It's to enjoy her for who she is. I, I love you because I love you. Let me give you a quote. I'm good. If, you're not, if you're a poor preacher, I'll give you a, 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 a thing you should do. Always add in some good quotes by great men. It makes it sound a lot better. Listen. Ingratitude and an indifferent attitude toward God fails to honour his name. Ingratitude and an indifferent attitude to, towards God fails to honour his name. To hallow God's name is not merely to live righteous, but have a heart of gratitude and joy towards God. And even more, a wondrous sense of his beauty. John Calvin. Right? John Calvin, that's wonderful. It's to have a sense, a wonder of his beauty. Let me just go down a little bit. There should be a background music to our lives. You know, you, in restaurants, you know, they play music, don't they? You often go in as music playing, sometimes too loud. But the music to our background to our lives should be one of thankfulness, for thankfulness of God. We should be those who are full of praise and thanks. Wherever you are in your life, wherever you are in your life, whatever's going wrong or right, to be in the hand of God, you've got to be thankful. You've got to be thankful. You've got no reason to. I know it's a struggle sometimes. I know there's pain. But he's never going to let go of you. As Jonathan Edwards says, all things work together for good. Do you believe it? Yeah, it's easy when it's going well. I remember when I got stirred up, before I got baptized, I was in a, a Christian brethren assembly. And I come from a non-Christian background, and I noticed the text on the walls. So I started to ask them what they meant. What does that mean? And like I say, I don't always let you get away the first answer. I didn't make myself endeared to them. Remember one, what does that mean, all things work together for good? They do. Even the bad things. Even your sin, God, at the end turns it to good. Amazingly so. John Field said, all things work for good. What I've got now, I cannot lose. I'm the son of God. I'm filled full of the Spirit. I'm, I'm forgiven, I'm sorry, I'm treading on my laces, I will break my neck and you'll all laugh. So, <laughs> so, let's not miss it. All things work together for good. What I've got now, I'm a son of God, I'm forgiven, I'm in the family of God, I can't lose. And the best is yet to come. So wherever you are, we've got reason to be thankful. We've got reason to be thankful. Oh, I'm losing myself now. Never mind, let's get going. Um, Psalms. Let's get back to these Psalms. Psalm 35. Praises God for deliverance of Israel from slavery in Egypt. Praise 36. Thanksing for being loving and good. Thanksgiving for, and praising automatically draws our mind uh, to the attributes and the loving purposes of God. The one who blesses. Why are you blessing me? And you go to that. Praise for God's love and goodness transform effortlessly. 
Let's enter thanks and exalted goodness in our life. Sorry, let me say again. Praise for God's love and goodness transformed effortless, effortlessly into thanks for the examples of goodness in our lives. I've got physical life. I beg this morning, Lord, I'm still alive. Hallelujah. Another day. Listen, it doesn't only say 70-odd-year-old men should say that. You should say that. Amen. Along our highway the other day, down out, oh, praying, dropped down. Over he went, made a mistake, and 27 people wiped out. Just driving along the highway. You don't know. You all should get up in the morning and say, thank God I'm still here to worship you and love you. Right? Physical, spiritual life. Listen, I'm alive in God. I'm forgiven. I'm a son of God. I've got treasures and blessings that they outside have no idea about. Thank God for that. And the last one I put in that is for peculiar mercies. We all have those because we're all a bit odd and God has to do above distinctly. Now, I know I'm not odd, but you all are. <laughs> and there's distinctive things how God blesses you. And I think how God has blessed me in very particular ways because of my personality and character, my shortcomings and my failures. Failures. We're to be joyful. What time do you finish, Joe? I can't, I'm, I'm lost. You're fine. Oh, Joyfully, thankfully, reverently. Joyfully, see, joyful. Whoa, we can bump, bump. But we mustn't forget in the end to be reverent. Right? We are dealing with God. I watched recently in a, one of our meetings, they break bread at the end at the meeting, there's tables where you go and get the bread or people hand it around. And I watched a girl at the front, she works for the church, and she was going, and the bread, she took the bread, you know, I, I could see her, I thought, keep away from it, don't get involved, mind your own business, it's not of you. Listen, we must remember to whom we come. For this reason, I bow the knee before the Father. It's a, it's a sense of reverence. Of reverence. Let me go and quote again. That's his scripture this time. Let us offer to God acceptable worship with reverence and awe, for our God is a consuming fire. It's, it's a balance to keep. Who I come to, yeah, I want to be joyful. And I want to clap my hands. I want to jump up and down. But I also want to remember who I come. Calvin again, there's nothing worse. There is nothing worse and to be de devoid of awe. Right? You must come to God so moved by God's majesty that you are freed from earthly cares and affections. You got that? One of the Psalms. But with thee there is forgiven, forgiveness. With thee there is forgiveness that you might be feared. One important sign of an engaged heart is awe before the greatness of God. Bits of Calvin in there, bits of me. Westminster Catechism again. We should worship, the, that worship should engage the affections with due apprehension of God's power, majesty, and grace. Joyfully, thankfully, reverently. He's our God. He's the great creator. He's the redeemer. He's my God personally. And I am the sheep of his pasture. You find that in the Psalms. Right, I'm still. I've got a little bit more to do. Right, uh, so verses one to seven. What, why, and how? What is to sing joyfully? Come with thanksgiving. The why? Because he's the rock of our salvation, our great God, the great King above all gods, our Maker. 
We are the sheep of his hands. The how is in submission and surrender. In this we offer our bodies as a living sacrifice. That is our reasonable service, Romans 12. That's our living sacrifice. In the Old Testament, it was a messy business, but at least it was over. Ours is a living sacrifice every day to bow before him and serve him. Right? Last point, respond. Respond. Today, if only you hear his voice, do not harden your hearts. When the word of God is preached, when people worship or whatever they do, it has a, such a problem of hardening hearts. You can hear the gospel preach and it can harden your heart. You can hear the gospel preach and it soaks in like the rain. As the rain comes, in some times it pans the ground. It gets a crust on it. In other places it just sinks in. The word of God has that effect. You see it with Jesus. He heals this one and they love him. And Pharisees go, Aah! their hearts are being hardened. Listen, don't harden your heart when God speaks to you. Don't harden your heart. Um, hardened hearts will keep you from worship. Right? When he speaks to you, listen. Hard hearts is unbelief. Doubting God's promises. Listen, it's not wrong to be under attack. But you've got to put up the shield of faith. Of course you can doubt God's promise, but you back on faith. Think, I don't accept it. Yeah? Uh, somebody said to me the other day, oh, I, I'm sure you don't have any doubts. Yes, I do. The devil comes in. What? And you say, no! You bring up the shield of faith. I know who I have believed and persuaded. You know? So hard hearts of unbelief, doubting the promises of God, doubting his word, doubting his presence. He will never leave you. You heard what I said earlier? If he let you go, he didn't need to go to hell. But he didn't let go because he wanted you. You were the joy that was set before him when he endured the cross, despising the shame. And we have to tell ourselves this and remind ourselves and bring up the shield of faith. Don't harden your hearts. Right? Um, nearly finished, nearly there. I am there, really. Yeah, I think we're nearly there. Let me remind you, because I did it earlier and I should have done it later. No, it's worth doing again. That Jonathan Edwards quote. Bad things will turn to good. All, as Romans 8, all things work together for good. I don't see it. You can't even tell me how that sat nav works. <laughs> you tell me how it can tell you on a junction with five roads coming in and uh, how they get, you press up, you go on the internet, you press a button, you can have a comedian doing it. I, I, my sat nav covers Northern, uh, all of Europe and North America. Do you think this comedian sat there and said, turn right up to Eldon Road? Because he didn't. How do they do it? How then can you say, I can't understand? Sometimes you just bow before God. You say, I believe it. All things work together for good. And sometimes it's, it's with pain in your heart. With sadness, but you say, no, I believe it. My thinking at the moment is, well, at my age, I want, I'm going to keep my feet firmly down in what I believe. Come what make, what's going to come. Right? I've lived it. And I want to finish it to the end. Right? 
I'm going to finish it at the end. Come hell and high water. Come uh, cancer. Come whatever it's going to come. It's coming. Something's coming down the road. There's a truck coming down the road from me, isn't there? But come on. I'm going to... The decision, uh, when Christ shone into my heart, uh, back in my 20s, I'm going to hold it. And the devil says, Don, you failed there. Regret is a problem of old age. You made that mistake. And I say, the blood of Christ cleanses from all mistakes and all sin. All things work together for the good that those that love God. What you've got now, you can't lose. It will never lose being a son of God or a daughter of God. You're in the family of God. You're justified. You're righteous. You can't lose it. You can't lose your righteousness because you made a mistake and sinned. It's his righteousness given to you. You're never thrown out. You can't be thrown out of the family. Your daughter goes off with a, 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 a cranky man and says she doesn't want to know to do with you and she goes across the world. She's still your daughter. What you've got, you can't lose. And the best is yet to come. Hallelujah. What a saviour. Last one, just the first. I've been going, I'm a weak sermon. I put lots of quotes in, didn't I? This is Wesley. It's a hymn. I love it. What in I, in I love, possess I not. My star by night, my sun by day. My spring of life when parched with drought. My wine to cheer, my bread to stray. My strength, my shield. My safe of old, my robe before the throne of God. Brothers and sisters, the call on your life is to be a worshipper. And don't let anybody take away from you. Let no church take it away from you. Let no organisation take it away from you. You've called to be a worshipper. I know it's not just Sunday. I know that's when we do it together. But our lives, all that we do, whether we eat and drink, we should do for the glory of God. Let's pray. Lord, we thank you for such a great salvation. We thank you for precious blood that was shed for us. The blood of your dear son. Thank you that deals with sin, not just temporary, once and for all. Lord, we thank you for a righteousness that is ours that we never earned, given to us. Lord, we do bless you for him. We thank you for our Lord Jesus, Lord. It's hard sometimes to try and get our minds around it. Why should you bother? Lord, we just bless you for him. We thank you for every remembrance of him. What is it? The very thought of him, with fragrance fills my breast, but better far his face to say, in thy presence rest. Lord, make us a people who will worship us, who will love us, and delight in you. Lord, we know the world, the devil, and all that's having a go at us. But what you've done for us, cannot, we cannot lose, it cannot be spoiled or damaged in the end. This has all been achieved by our great champion. We bless you for our Lord Jesus Christ.